Hello, and welcome to the Writing Guys podcast, where we help writers get inside a guy's head by answering burning questions on how men think. I'm Lansing McCall, today's moderator, and our hosts are C.T. Andrews and Michael Aspen. Hey, everybody. Hi, hello. <laughs> All right, guys. So today's, we're just going to get right to it. Uh, today's listener question is... Do you have to learn how to act manly or does it just come naturally? Maybe we should start with the definition. What does manly mean to you guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's tricky to define. Um, I think, I think that every sub subculture finds it slightly differently. And what I mean by that is like, if you're, if you're raised in uh, a more rural area, say um, with, you might have a very different definition of manliness than if you were raised in a very urban environment or a suburban environment. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, I, I don't know if I would say that, um, or if I would agree with that entirely, I will agree with this though. I think that men are taught to do different things given their area, it's ge their geography. But whatever it is they're doing, like say for instance, um, my granddad uh, was a businessman. He was sort of a white collar businessman uh, on my dad's side of the family. And I think if, if I were to have been raised by him, it would be to be a businessman, how to crunch numbers properly, how to make contacts, the right contacts to make, how to head a business because he was entrepreneurial. But on my granddad's side, on my, on my granddad on my mom's side of the family was very blue collar. He was an oil field worker and he worked hard at, you know, uh, for Phillips Petroleum, et cetera. And if he were to have raised me, he would have taught me how to do all of those skills. But given those two completely different skill sets, I think the lessons would be the same in so much as he would probably say, be decisive, make decisions, um, right or wrong, take, choose a stand, choose which way to go, choose which direction to go. Uh, don't let anybody convince you you're wrong. You convince yourself that you're wrong. Make your mistakes, get up and move forward. You, see, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is kind of that's what defines manliness to me yeah so um i think i think it comes from the role models in your life that are like your parents and your grandparents but it also comes from society the other kids that you hang around with right uh, especially once you get into those teenage years when when um the differences between men and women really start to appear, you know, uh, biologically. Um, there's there's a a social reinforcement of the rules that your little subgroup follows, right? Uh, and it's it's one of those things where is so. I guess I guess the short answer is you are kind of trained, right? Uh, you are trained to be that way by the people in your in your circle of influence. Because they're all, they're all giving you subtle 
acceptance or refusal or not refusal, but you know, whatever the correct term there is, but basically like, okay, what you're doing, we, we accept. So therefore that's a correct thing to do. And, oh, you've deviated from what we consider to be normal for a man or a boy. So now we're going to, we're going to chastise you for that in some way. And it can be just everything from like a dismissive attitude towards you all the way to, you know, getting beat up. Right. Some, you know, I remember, there was a kid in my high school that got moved here from out of state and he moved here to a fairly small Midwestern school that was their, their definition of masculinity was very much the, you know, jock type masculinity. And he moved here from LA and where he was at in LA, that didn't really matter. He came from a very big school with a lot of different people that had different subgroups they hung out in. And he hung out in with a group of, of people where being an effeminate male was not a big deal. But man, that was a big deal here. And he literally got beat up like two or three times because the boys here just could not handle an effeminate male in our school. And he he ended up leaving partway through his, he was here for a year total, but he showed up like partway through a, a year and then he left partway through the next one. And I don't know where he went, but I was like, man, good, good that you got out of here because Jesus, the, you know, the guys here were just merciless. The girls accepted him just fine, but the guys could not handle it. And they, they, they balked at his deviation from what their normal was. Right. So um, I think, I think it's both. I think it's both your, you know, your parents kind of teach you what just through example and maybe even through education, but then society also kind of whatever little society bubble you're in kind of drives you towards something and, and it's difficult to break out of that. Yeah. I think that um, there's so many different definitions for manliness. Uh, it depends on where you're at, what time, what era you were raised in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, I, I will in this episode tell you what I think manliness is. And let people agree or disagree. Um, and either one is fine. All, it's, it's all good. Uh, I think part of being a man is that. You want to disagree with me? Go right ahead. You don't have to agree with me. You know, uh, and I'm not talking to you directly, Michael, obviously. I'm talking to, you know, just general, general. audience. Yeah. It's kind of the way I go through life, really. Um, so for me, that's what manliness is. It is uh, the ability to make a decision jump into the uh, plasma pool headfirst, not knowing what the consequences are, but determined to find out, knowing that if you don't, you'll never know and your feet will be frozen to the ground. A man will, in my, my opinion, move forward decisively and with his decisions. And if he has to lead people in that direction, he will. If he has to go in that direction alone, he will kind of giving uh, prudence to the old adage, every man is an island. <laughs> um, um, and I, I like that idea of being a man. I like that idea of manliness. You know, they can take criticism because they're determined uh, through this sort of uh, hard-nosed confidence they have in themselves that whatever they're going to try is going to work. And if it doesn't, it's, you know, it's no one's fault but his own. I don't know. That's I a find, good definition. Yeah. 
I find that particular version of masculinity kind of annoying to work with. Um, the company, present company excluded. But I remember a number of very hard charging people I would work with in the past that they had made their decision and they're moving forward and no amount of information or conversation would change their mind. And the, the only way you could take away the mantle of leadership was to become a leader yourself and take over and try and like get the pack to follow you and leave them stranded. I'm like, man, that is a really uh, difficult way to find the best way to get something done. And the reality there is that that's not the point. It's not to find the best way. It's this is the way I deem fit. So therefore I'm going to go that way. It doesn't matter if it's the best. It's just, this is the way I'm going. So um, I, I find that I find that very frustrating to be around, which I think kind of well, leads to the in my, defense, in, in my defense, go ahead, Lancy, go ahead. I was going to say, I didn't get that CT was saying something that strict. His definition wasn't as strict as what you reiterated. You know, he was saying you make a decision and you go forward and then you assess and reposition. That's kind of what I got out of it is you're able to make decisions and move from there. It wasn't like I've made up my mind and we're doing this and to hell with everybody else, which is kind of what you seem to say back. Am I wrong or am I correct? CT? I don't know. I'd like to hear what C. Yeah. I'd like to hear CT's. No, I, I, no, I, I'm with Lancey on this. Um, <laughs> of course, there's a smart way to do things. And that's deviated way. from my point of view. <laughs> do what? I said, I refuse to be deviated from my point of view. I'm just teasing. I'm being, I'm yeah. Playing the devil's advocate. Go ahead. I didn't hear that at all from CP. I yeah, didn't no. hear that. Yeah, no, there's a smart way to do things and a smart way to not do things. Despite the fact that I, you know, that I mentioned every man is an island, men also believe in hierarchies. If you look at uh, a football team, if you look at the Boy Scouts, if you look at the military, everything's a hierarchy. So when you make these decisions, you're, you're obviously working inside the, um, the box or the parameter of a hierarchy and the better your decisions are the more you're going to move up in that hierarchy i mean look at a company it's the same thing um um but decision making the, the ability to make a decision and if need be lead people honestly is why we have everything that we have it's why we have uh uh, uh uh, society. Uh -oh. It's what built infrastructures. It's what built, you know, these kinds of things. Yeah. Let's get let's get controversial. Who am I going to choose first? Ladies first. What? No, no, Both no. raise your hands. We put, our, we put our hands up because you your internet was dropping. You broke up a little bit. You broke oh, up. Oh crap. That's a really but good point. Too. We got the uh, gist of your point. Um, and now that I have the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did have a question when you talked about regarding hierarchies, because it made me think, so you're very comfortable in a hierarchy. That's part of your definition of, of manliness, maybe. What about in a situation where there isn't a hierarchy and you're all even, even level team members? Does that make a difference in how you? Yeah, I think, I think it's important to know what your role is. In that unilateral sort of playing field, you know your role, then you can make decisions within that role. Um, and the better your decisions are, 
will probably determine number one, how well you do in that hierarchy. And number two, how well you're viewed in terms of manliness, manliness. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, That's very don't do like I've done and let your feet get frozen to the ground. Knowing, wondering which way to move in life. Just move. You know, I find that interesting that you, uh, what you're describing there is called a meritocracy, that people will rise to the top based on the merits of their ideas. And I have found almost no organizations I've worked in have been a meritocracy, almost none. They, it seems like that is an ideal that has eluded my particular work experience since I was 16 and started working at McDonald's. I don't know why. It seems that most ideas um, that are based on merit are ignored in favor of the popularity of the person that's making the the uh, statement or the request or the idea or whatever. So if somebody's really popular and they have a crappy idea, that's the idea people are going to follow. Whereas the guy that's not popular but has a really good idea, he gets ignored. So that's that's been my experience more than anything um, in that area. And I find that interesting that um, you're espousing for meritocracy because I would very much like to live in one where people's ideas are the sole decision uh, as to whether or not uh, the, that you move up in say a company. But I also, I do not do well in organizations. Like you were talking about the, the hierarchy of all these different things. I don't do well with that. I have a real issue with authority. And when somebody comes and tells me this is the way things are going to be, I'm like, Oh, really? <laughs> that, that's how it's going to be. We'll just see about yeah. that. And so, um, I, I really struggle. To me, one of the more um, appealing aspects of masculinity is the going and going it on your own. Go out and get it all done and come back and like, see, it can be done, right? Um, and and cooperating with other people and leadership of other people is uh, a skill set that I have had to adapt to and learn and still struggle with compared to going on my own and doing things on my own. Um, or I should say the appeal of going and doing things on my own. Um, but I would I would say that um, one thing that we both agree on, I think here is the decision-making aspect of it. There are times when you can mull over a bunch of different options and you can decide on what's the best course and you've got plenty of time to figure out the answer. But there are other times it's like, time is the essence here. It needs to be a quick decision, even if it's the wrong decision and we'll reevaluate later. And I, I have found that that is a, a trait that I have found more in guys than I have found in, in women. I don't know that that's always true, but um, the it seems like guys are much more interested in, okay, we've made our decision. Let's move forward and see if we made the right one or not. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that decision I, is a big piece. Do you think that's the majority? Because I will tell you in my household, we are exactly opposite of that. Mm. I am the one who, okay, we've made our decision. Let's move. Right. And he is the one who goes, well, we've made a decision, but there might be more information coming and I probably need to assess whatever new information comes in. And it drives me crazy. <laughs> I, I would, I don't, I don't, I hate to make broad sweeping um, uh, generalizations based on gender, but uh, that is kind of the point of the show. So, <laughs> 
Um, I think I think in general, <laughs> men men typically have a more decisive attitude than women. Um, I, I, I honestly. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I agree with you because society has, in fact, now we're getting back to the did you learn it? But society has, in fact, put women in a position of subservience. Right. And so their role is to be quiet, be polite, don't make a fuss. And so they're probably not going to be as out there decisive because that's not. That's not how they well, little girls. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the difference there. Um, if you train well, it's hard to it's hard to say that and then and then substantiate it. I was going to say, um, I don't believe society's training women to be quiet. I think society's training women to be loud. I think society is training men to be quiet, and that's why when it comes to defining manliness it's difficult do we mean traditional classic manliness or do we mean modern manliness traditional classic manliness and i'm talking about the 50s and the 40s and the 30s and maybe even into the 60s a little bit was the same kind of traditional classic manliness that had been existing since the pioneer days we have a different kind of manliness now that we're seeing develop and it's kind of did my internet cut out? No, I'm just raising. Yeah, he just my wants hand to argue. I, want, I got a point to you make. You want to argue? Okay. <laughs> I do. I'm itching. <laughs> well, I mean, if 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 I'm wrong, uh, then spend 15 minutes on uh, on like Instagram, 4chan, Reddit, uh, or God forbid, half a dozen of the others. I mean, we. This is this is where we're seeing the changing of the guard happen, the changing tide. Um, and so I have to say, I think that our, our definition of manliness is changing. Yeah, I but agree it ain't changing me. I'm sticking to the old traditional ways um, because I think it works and I think it's worked well for a long, long time. Um, uh, and yes, I, I, I think that a household is benefits very well from one member in this case being Lancey, no being Lancey's husband who says, let's look at all the angles and the other member saying, I've got the final say, but yes, let's look at all the final, let's look at all the angles and let's agree on something. And if there's disagreement, there's someone's got to make the decision. Just for the record, I never said I had the final say. You you, I you, said once the didn't. decision's made, I want us to go. You didn't. Yes, Lancey, I stand corrected. You absolutely did not say that. But uh, to to Michael's point earlier, at some point, a decision has got to be made, and someone's got to make that decision. Yeah. And um, I, I before Michael comes with his rebuttal. I just want to jump in and say real quick that I agree with you that things are changing, but I, I think it's much more recent than the 60s. I think it's in the last 10 years that things have started to yeah. really change. I think okay, Michael. Right. Sorry. So uh, the definitions that you're talking about uh, with manliness and stuff like that, um, I think there's pretty stout evidence to show that that's cyclical. That there are like, I, I think a sociologist said that there's like total of six cycles that society goes through. And the one that was prior to the one we just that we're in now was more of the stoic, um, 
kind of the the silent, not the silent generation, but you know that you know that greatest generation type, the ones that went to war and they they killed a bunch of people and they came home and they didn't talk about it and they just they just dealt with it, right? And that's kind of that classic masculinity you're talking about that you said went all the way back to the pioneers, but that is not true about going all the way back to the pioneers. There's pretty strong historical evidence to show that there have been many times when men were much more in touch with their feelings and much more um, willing to eschew the, those, those things that we're calling traditional manliness. So the, the thing is, is it's cyclical. So we're in a cycle where it's changing over to something else, but that's not necessarily changing over to something that the world hasn't seen before. Right. Um, and it is, it is the purpose of everybody that is leaving the gen leaving the world to the next generation. It seems like we always fall into the, the next generation is screwing things up and they're, they're doing everything differently than we did. We need to preserve what we know, but the reality is, is it doesn't matter because that generation will then feel the same way when their grand grandkids are taking over the world and are sitting there saying, man, why, why is everybody screwing up and going in a different direction than we went in? And we don't have anybody that can live long enough to see all of these different transitions. So the, the, I remember the article that I read made the, made the point that a certain mentality in your parents derives a, a new mentality in the and the kids and then those kids their mentality will derive a new mentality in their kids and so on down the line but it typically goes through about six different types of mentality and um, when you get when you get all the way back around you're back to where you started in the first place and so each each subsequent generation is slightly different than the one before but it's all just going back around in this circle so anyway that was the rebuttal go ahead ct you raised your hand hopefully it wasn't because my internet went down no, no, your internet did go down. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I say this at the risk of getting sort of caught in the weeds, and I don't want to get caught up in the weeds, but uh, I, I totally agree. We are cyclical because we are generational. Every generation is a new cycle, and we see the things flip around. But since the beginning of time, we've only been man and woman. Now I know that there's a there's a debate to be had there today, but men and women biologically have not changed there is no cycle traditionally speaking to man and woman and the nature of men have in my in my what i would say is the nature of men their personalities in terms of manliness might change but their nature of that manliness may not change yes they were stoic and quiet because after world war ii because as you very comically said they went and killed a bunch of people and they came home and didn't talk about it yeah um the generation of men before that really didn't. So though they may have had the same values, their personality about it was different. Now, the men who were coming home from the Civil War, I'll bet you they didn't talk about it much either. So, yes, their personality in attached to their manliness was probably stoic and quiet and reserved. But their values were still the same. The value of manliness has remained the same. I said since the pioneer days, because I I dare I say since the beginning of time, but um, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Um, I, I think that that uh, these cycles see different world events happen that changes our personality in expressing that manliness. 
But the manliness, the ability to make decisions, the ability to move forward, the ability to uh, uh, carve uh, a world and carve a life, it hasn't changed. Just because one generation was a bit more stoic than the other generation and one maybe one generation was jollier than the other generation. You see, that's that's kind of what I think of when I think of like generational manliness. Uh, there's no doubt that men in the 70s wore bell bottoms and there wasn't a damn way in hell men in the 40s were going to wear bell bottoms, you know, but they were still men. They were still, you know, kind of that that men man thing, that man thing. How do you like that? So, so just going back to the original question, do you have to learn how to act or does it just come naturally? I mean, it sounds like from what you guys are, are saying that it's maybe a combination of both. You know, that's, that's another really good point. I remember a picture this guy had said is he had given his daughters cars to play with like um, toy cars to play with thinking that they would, do what a boy does with cars, which is run them around and like room, room and drive them into stuff and crash. And instead they uh, put them into a baby bed and put a blanket over them to put them down for a nap. <laughs> and so, yeah. So I think, I think there is also uh, an, an actual like chemical change that is different or I don't know, it's chemical. It may not be there. I mean, we are just chemical. We're just chemical engines running around. Right. I mean, um, so it's a biological component, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, well, yeah, there you go. That's a good way to put it. So maybe there is a, a good a biological component that does change how each individual interfaces with the world around them that is related to their gender. But no, I have a, I have a comment on that. Well, the 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 so I because I think I think that that could be an influencer i'll put it that way not that it's always going to that the gender uh that comes from the biology is going to always 100 percent influence everything i think that's a misnomer but to say that it doesn't have any influence i don't know that that's short-sighted my first question in that study that you were talking about or the guy that gave his daughters cars what age were they when he gave them the cars uh, it was a, it was an internet meme so there's no that's not a study that's just a funny reference point so i actually saw this it was a, a study where they had video and they'd taken video of, of these interactions and what they did was they had these little babies that were they were they weren't really toddlers maybe toddlers but mostly babies but they were big enough to be on their own right sit on their own or whatever Right. But you really couldn't tell if you looked at them if they were a boy or a girl. You know how boys, you know how babies are, right? Yeah, yeah, so they yeah. would take these babies and they would dress them in either girls' clothes or boys' clothes. And it had nothing to do with what gender the baby was. And they'd put them in a room and they'd bring in these parents. And the parents would make a judgment oh. on whether this was a little boy or a little girl. And they would give them the girl toy or the boy toy depending on what they thought, what gender they thought this baby was. And the babies just played with the toys because they're babies, right? But it was the parents' biases that that taught the child what they were supposed to and not supposed to play with. You know? Well, of course it was the parents' biases because you're, you're dealing with a group of human beings that have not developed any physical sexual traits yet you can't tell if they're a boy or a girl um to your point though lancy 
yes, as men, we teach our sons to grow up as men. And as men and fathers, we teach our daughters to grow up as women. There's no doubt about it. So there is a, there is a social component there. Um, but the reason we teach our boys to grow up as men and our girls to grow up as women is a biological component because we know that boys and girls are, if not, if for no other reason, genetically and scientifically and whatever, hormonally different. And, and so maybe we are determining their roles, but we're determining their roles based on how science and all that tells us to determine their roles. Um, uh, I mean, can you, can you raise a baby girl to be a father? No, I don't think you can. And can you raise a baby boy to be a mother? I don't think you can do that either. I think you're, I think you're weighing science way too heavily into the parenting aspect of that. I think parents raise their kids based on the way they were taught to raise their kids, right? It's people do it based on what they, what they yeah. think they know, but it's not, yeah. there's no scientist that they go and visit and says, okay, well, genetically and scientifically, you need to be raising the boys this way. They just, they raised their kid. They were raised by their parents and that's how they then turn around and raise their kids. It's, yeah. it's more yeah, I mean, but it's it's more tradition than science based how people are raised. I think I'll give we since we're giving anecdotes from personal life um, uh, or from things we've seen. I have I have two girls, and I very specifically did not choose uh, any gender specific stuff whenever we had them. Like the the first girl to come along, we painted her room green because it was a gender neutral color. And we gave her green and brown sheets and blankets and stuff like that. And we didn't buy any gender specific toys. And that girl has latched on to pink, frilly, purple unicorns. She loves all of that stuff. And, and, and we tried very hard. I'm not sure that we succeeded because everybody does have biases that they, you know, it's very hard to keep those out. But we tried very hard not to push her into anything girly. But she loves everything girly. Princesses, Jojo. Disney, all this stuff. Disney princesses, she loves all of it. Now, our second came along, and we again tried to not do anything. Again, painted the room green. Again, gave very distinctive color choices that were on and toys that were not uh, girly. But we did have the influence of my older daughter, who was trying to play Barbies and whatever. But the younger daughter, that girl... She only time she plays with frilly stuff is when she's playing with the oldest. When she plays on her own, it's dinosaurs and and trucks. And she likes her favorite color is blue. And she likes more games and toys that are more associated with what you would typically see a boy play with. So she's a, she's much more of what you would call that tomboy type person. She likes a lot of the stuff that boys like, and she definitely leans more that way. And and we we didn't I mean same parents, the only difference is you know, one had an older sister to help influence her. And so while while I think their genetics do play a part in it, it it does not, it cannot be the sole reason why somebody chooses what they consider to be their their life, because they they have their own personalities that are coming from inside, and then they also have the external cues and I think it's way too complicated to say that there's one thing that identifies what you're going to be. 
or one group that's going to identify it. There's a lot of different pieces. And like I said, we as parents were trying very hard not to assign any, you know, I'm going to put it in quotes, traditional gender roles on our kids because we wanted them to be who they are, whoever that well, is. Well, it's hard. It's hard to escape with yeah. the commercialization yeah. of all the girls' toys in pink and all the, I mean, there are so many external influences that they see regardless of what you and your wife do as right. parents. Yeah, just walk through a grocery or a, a, like a department store. <laughs> yeah. But even still, my youngest man, she's going to the Jurassic World. Oh, it's a T-Rex. And my, my oldest is like, it's a Barbie camper. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, there we go. So anyway, yeah. I, yeah. The, my mother, I think, did a really good job with my brother and I. Um she, I mean, she was was like you guys, Michael, where she made like conscious efforts, you know, conscious effort to to be neutral. And so in our household, my brother, we did all the chores, and it didn't matter if it was a girl chore or a or a boy chore, you know. And we rotated, so it one week was my week to take out all the trash and you know, or mow the lawn. And and that week, my brother was in charge of laundry or doing the dishes. And then we would rotate. And what resulted were two independent. When we got, you know, went off to college, we we both knew how to cook and do our laundry, and you know, actually be a productive human being. And I really appreciated her for those efforts. I, so we didn't, I didn't have any sisters. So it was just me and my brother. Um, so I, I don't remember any, uh, anything that would have pointed out that, okay, that's a girl's job or a boy's job. But, I, but my mom did a lot of, well, she did all, she was a stay-at-home mom most of her life. So she did all of the, you know, laundry and cleaning and cooking and yada, yada, yada. But um, I never was made to feel like if I wanted to assist with any of that, that I was being excluded from it because I was a boy. I was excluded from it because my mother did not particularly enjoy being around us. Although she will deny that fact now. You corner her today. She's like, I loved you boys. I love being around you all the time. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the impression I got when I was eight. <laughs> so, um, but uh, she also, I remember distinctly, she was the only woman in the house. She was completely confounded by our desire to watch certain shows or um, play with certain toys. She just could not fathom how we found playing with matchbox cars exciting and fun. She was like, that's just so boring, right? And my brother and I were getting a kick out of it. We loved it. We, we love playing with those or Legos or, you know, whatever toys. So yeah, I don't I don't know that I had that growing up enough to be able to point it out. But I, I did have a friend who was raised in a house where they were taught women's work and men's work. And he all the way up until, well, as long as I've known him, there are certain things he will not do. He will not load a dishwasher. He will not do laundry. He will not vacuum the floor. He will pick up the house. That's about as close to housework as he gets. And he's like, well, that's women's work. And I'm like, yeah, that's, but it's not, right? You know, I mean, just just go help out, right? It doesn't hurt that. Well, help. again, it's uh, it go, goes back to how he was raised. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe he was raised to believe that is women's work. My question would be, does he change the oil? Does he clean the gutters? Does he mow the lawn? And if so, then, okay. That's just how he was raised. I, I know right. that, what's that? 
Oh, he couldn't. He could not change the oil to save his life. He couldn't even tell you where the oil goes in a car. Yeah. Okay. Change the oil was a change yeah. the oil was a bad was a bad. I, I mean, I, I I used to change my own oil, but that was twenty years ago. Ever since yeah. then, no, I'll let someone else do that. Uh, but it's you know funny, what? I was, it's funny. He married a woman that knows how to do all of that better than him. She she grew up in a house with a her dad was a carpenter and a painter. And so she knows how to climb ladders and fix ceiling fans and replace trim and paint walls. And she knows all, she knows how to use all the power tools and goes out and she knows how to fix cars and all this. And he doesn't know how to do it. Anyway, go ahead. I just Michael, it's, it's rude to talk about Lancey behind her back in front of her face. <laughs> you can't be doing that. <laughs> For the record, it's not Lancey. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, well, the funny thing is that in our household, I actually do the laundry and I do not allow my husband to do the laundry because we had an, an incident oh, no. <laughs> and he decided to do the laundry and he's capable of doing it when I married him, you know, he, he knew how to do laundry, but he threw my Angora sweater in the dryer and when it came out, it fit my six-year-old daughter. <laughs> It's like you are no longer allowed to do laundry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. You know, know your strengths, accept yeah. your weaknesses, oh, yeah. trade yeah. off with your partner. <laughs> Absolutely. Know your strengths and weaknesses. To his to his credit, I can't cook worth a crap. And he is an excellent cook. Oh yeah. You didn't you say he cooked gumbo? Gumbo, yeah. one of the most difficult layered uh delicate things to cook for Thanksgiving. oh yeah he's he's a really good cook like when we go to parties with friends they will request like to have his wings or his you yeah. know him to grill asparagus or different dishes that they yeah. know for. So i mean as long as as long as whatever roles we choose to play balances the other person's roles that they choose to play out what does yeah. it matter you know, I have no problem marrying a woman that insists on mowing the lawn. Fine, I'll do the laundry. <laughs> you know, I got no problem with that. I would, um, I would so trade mowing the lawn for laundry. I would do laundry every day. Yeah. Oh, I hate mowing the lawn. I hate it so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, and when she finishes mowing the lawn, I'll go get her a cold beer, and I'll, we'll we'll sit out on the patio together, and we'll drink a beer and look at what she's done. Uh, Very I no nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're 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 at time. Do y'all want to have any final comments or wrap any, wrap this up? If I had any final comments, it would be that uh, well, the, the original question was: uh, Is manliness something that we're taught, or is it just a natural thing? I think it's. I think as as men, I think that manliness comes naturally, but we do have to be taught the nuances of it for sure. Um, um, the real question is, uh, are women allowed to be manly? And if they are, then they should be taught to be how, how to be decisive and take a leadership role when necessary and move forward and not stand still in life. And uh, I think if we teach our women that we won't have manly women, we'll have strong women who know how to make decisions and make the right call in life. So, I mean... You have you have a problem with everything I say, Lancey. You're biting your tongue. Should we not teach our young girls to be decisive? Should, and should I hold off on my final thoughts until you have a chance to rebut? 
I just have a problem with the way you presented that argument because it made it sound like in order for women to be strong, they have to be manly. They're not going to be considered strong unless they're taking on manly traits. I think I think the, the squeal of anger invaded your ears just in time to cut off the end of what I said. What I said That's, was, you know, that may be perfectly true because I got highly objective to the words you use. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael, you should go ahead and add your final wrap. Oh my gosh, I'm so I'm so nervous now. I think I think that I I was born as a as a man that definitely leaned more towards female characteristics, uh, personality characteristics, right? Um, I, I tend to lean more towards uh, a lot of the same thoughts that that are traditionally associated with women. I tend to have those types of emotions and thoughts and feelings. So for me, uh, the answer to that question is is almost a is almost a flip flop of what CT was saying. Where CT was saying you're kind of you're born into it, and then the the people in your life kind of train you. For me, it was I kept bumping into the guardrails of this is what manliness is, and you're trying to get outside it, and you need to be reined back in and pointed in in the direction of manliness. Um, so for me, it was very much more an educational thing than a natural state of being, and. There are, a, I mean, a, a litany of things that are manly pursuits that I find boring beyond belief. Sports being a prime one. I do not enjoy watching, participating in, involving in. I, 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 I eh, just don't even care, right? I, I could care less. And, and the amount of attention we as a society here in the United States pay towards professional sports and college sports and stuff like that. It just, and even, even the youth sports just completely blows my mind. I'm like, why does everybody care about this so much? Talk about an anti-manly statement, right? And uh, it, it just escapes me. It, completely elusive to me. So um, for me, it was very much a matter of I was trained to be more manly because I was violating the rules of manliness in my little society. And I was being reined in by my dad and my friends and so on and so forth. And, and while I, while I feel like my, my father loves and accepts me for who I am and he was a big into sports, he played sports in high school. He got, he almost went and played sports in college, played football. He loved watching sports. He used to watch basketball and football and baseball all the time on TV. So it's not like I didn't have a role model. It just never interested me. So while I feel like he did, he he also is in a situation where, where he does love me and accept me for who I am. He's also a person that he grew up and was a more traditional manly man than I was based on just that criteria alone. So, but I still consider myself a manly man because A, I really like women. And B, like like sexually, I find them very appealing. I'm definitely heterosexual, and I I under I, I there's a lot of other parts of being a man that I do fall into. Like I like to I like uh, learning how things work and stuff like that. That's typically a male pursuit. So I would yeah. say I would say you you enjoy your fatherhood. You probably yeah. enjoy your husbandry. I would say I mean these are the things that are yeah, I do. really strong elements of manliness. Right. You know, just don't take me to a baseball game. 
Yeah. Go watch a play. That actually, yeah, I've done that. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I'm I'm, I'm on board. I I I'd go watch a play anytime. A funny no, thing I, you and I need fun. to go out and watch. You and I need to go out and watch a play. I love that idea. I would actually. I would. I would. I would love for that. That I remember my brother one time bought me uh, tickets to go see a funny thing happen on the way to the forum, which is the. I was I was hysterium in that. I just oh I love that. It is so good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah, we're way off on a tangent there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know we start talking about manliness, and then we connect on the on stage plays that we just so love. I actually, I, I actually mean, I think we pretty opera. much it covers yeah. the gamut, right? And it's yeah. really, it's uh, the definition of manliness. It depends depending on who you ask, you know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that and when someone questions your manhood because you like theater, tell them to piss off. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. You know, well, honestly, if someone questions your manhood in general, tell them to piss off. Tell them to piss off. Yeah, it's none of their business. That's the most manly thing you can do, right there. When you get your manhood doubted, just tell them to piss off. I am such a man <laughs> <laughs> because I tell people to piss off all the time. Hey, except you know. I use I've, the f word. I've yeah. said it before and I'll say it again. Lancey is is definitely uh, like between her and I, she's more of I'm more of a chick than she is, and she's more of a man than I am. And that is yeah. so true. Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody's gotta do it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Right. This has kind of been a fun one. I've enjoyed it. So yeah. Yeah. we're gonna wrap it up now. Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> All right. Um, well, thanks to our subscribers and our audience for, for joining us. We're going to conclude this episode of Writing Guys. Um, if you have a question like this that you would like us to tackle, um, go to writingguys.net and click the button, fill out the form. We'll get the question. It'll go on our list and we'll answer it for you. And then uh, be sure to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to Writing Guys. Uh, and we will see you next time. All right. Thank Bye. you for being a good sport, Lancey. Always. <laughs> Always. True. Bye. Bye. Bye.